this is him. This is him. Wesson? Yeah. Hey. Okay. And you're here for? Full disclosure, I'm actually not here to buy a ladder. I'm hoping you're the right Weston setup that I'm looking for. Yeah. There's only one I could find. Yeah. I'm doing a documentary about Mary Joya and Greg Niffin from Rainbow Village. Holy cow. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. The one that uh, International offed. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was weird. Didn't he recant or something? His, uh, what do you say when you say you're gonna do something? Uh, his confession. I don't think he ever confessed. That's I mean, how he got convicted, though. No, he, he always professed his innocence. I mean, really? there, was, there was circumstantial evidence surrounding it. After a very unconventional way of finding somebody, I was standing face to face with Weston. I didn't want to completely waste his time, so I held out some cash for the latter, even though I had no intentions of buying it. He took the money and walked inside the storage unit, still fiddling with the latter, even though I told him I was not there to actually buy it. He was clearly caught off guard. I mean, who wouldn't be? I'm going to play you the majority of our conversation together, and I'll occasionally chime in with some thoughts, mostly in hindsight. I'm hoping that you can just kind of give me your version of events. I don't know how familiar you are with, I guess, the story and the case, but uh, a lot of people well, have been I, pointing the finger at I, James I, Bowen. Who? Bo. Don't know who that is. Really? No, I don't think so. What? He doesn't know who Bo is? Almost every single story about Bo involves Weston. How does he not even know this person? It doesn't even make sense. I mean, Greg and Mary, right? Yeah. Yeah, Greg and Mary. Well, they were hippie kids. Uh, we were living out at Rainbow Village down in uh, the Oak, uh, this uh, Berkeley Marina area that is now gone or built up or something. But it was Rainbow Village. There was a whole bunch of buses and converted vehicles. I didn't have one. I was staying in uh, Richard and Richard's bus. Yeah, the Rainbow bus, uh, the Richard's bus. And... Was it Randy's bus? No, I Richard? wasn't in any of Randy's buses. I was in one of Richard's buses. Okay. Who's Richard? Richard. Richard uh, I hadn't heard that name yet. Real tall guy, full-on beard. I had to have a place to stay. Okay. And the vehicle was open because I wasn't in one of Randy's vehicles. Although Randy had probably three vehicles there. No, I was in... I was, I was in... No, I was in Richard's bus. Uh, what did he call that? Do you remember that night very well at all? Well, I, I remember that there was... Uh, okay, well, I was just going for the vehicle I was in. I was getting to it. So the vehicle I was in was Richard's, Richard's bus. I can't remember what the name of it was. So there was... Um, I think it was July, so it was near fireworks time. It was actually in August, but close enough. It has been 35 years now. Um, so there was some fireworks that had gone off early in the night, which kind of freaked people out because they didn't like fireworks because it sounds like gunshots. And there was uh, talk at the campsite. There was a fire and there was talk going on and I wasn't at the fire, I was in the vehicle, but where Richard's 
bus was was really close to where the circle was. And so I could hear what was going on yeah. at the circle. And Greg and Mary were both, they were hippie kids, you know, happy-go-lucky, everything is going fine, you know, laughing and joking about everything, and everybody takes things too seriously. And International was there, and they were talking about, somehow or another, the fireworks conversation had gotten to fire, uh, gunfire, which had gotten to conversations about gunfire, which had gotten to somehow had gotten to Vietnam. And they were talking about, you know, how Vietnam was all fucked up and, you know, anybody that was involved in it was kind of screwed, you know, probably emotionally and spiritually and international. spoke. I could tell it was international. He spoke up because he was a Vietnam vet. And he was like, no, no, it's not like that. It's not like that. You know, Vietnam was, you know, we were fighting for our freedom and you just didn't know because it was before your time. And, and they went back and forth on this, you know, like, and he got heated about it, you know, but the kids were like you know they're happy-go-lucky kids you know and i didn't think anything of it you know yeah i, I ended up going i went to sleep i was already in bed i ended up going to sleep and then the next day probably 11 or 12 o'clock bo came up to me that's right bo came up to me i think he was a blonde-haired guy kind of tall yep that's the one he magically remembered who bo was all of a sudden this was extremely odd Bo came up to me. I think he was a blonde-haired guy, kind of tall. Mm-hmm. He came up to me in Berkeley, and he said, did you hear that Greg and Mary got killed? And I'm like, I literally laughed because, you know, it's just like a human response, like, you got to be shitting me. Like, what do you mean? They're two of the nicest possible people in the world. Yeah. Uh, who would off them? Yeah. And he, he was like... I don't know, but they're they're out there, and and the cops came, and everything, and and then about I don't know, I didn't really hear anything much more about it. I went out there, and there was some yellow tape, police marker tape, but there wasn't any investigators. Huh? And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I know I'm leaving, you know. And I ended up going where did I go? Either Chico or. Probably Chico, but it might have been it might have been Santa Cruz. I think I went to Chico. Now are you familiar with the kind of narrative that a lot of people seem to think that Bo did it and not Ralph? Have you heard that from anyone else? No, that's the first. Because Bo was like kinda like us. He was a happy go lucky deadhead. I mean why would he kill Greg and Mary? The Greg and Mary were spare changing. They didn't even have they were begging for money. I mean they didn't they didn't have shit. Why would Ralph have killed them either? I mean, either one's weird. The only thing I I put in my head that they just got into this argument over, you know, the hippies on one side and the Vietnam vet on the other, and, and, you know, you just don't understand. No, you don't understand. That's all I... I don't know. You would think there would be witnesses at least or something. It's just so weird. There was 20 people at the fire. There was a lot of people that night, you know, and... I don't know. I, I thought everybody was safe because there's a lot of people. Nobody's going to do anything out there. It's a place of safety. It was like our, like our refuge. Yeah. I mean, that's why Clearly, I had caught Weston off guard, so I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt here. But his selective memory of Bo is just weird. The only thing I could think of was that there was that boat that was for sale, that big boat, that big, huge boat that was on the right-hand side as you were coming in that didn't move but the guy was having troubles with the city 
over his boat because they wanted him to pay rent because he was there before the landfill was there before they made Rainbow Village and now his property became worth something and he was like well I've been here I'm grandfathered in you know so what about that guy huh so what about that guy uh well he was at the fire earlier I mean I could hear his voice and he was the only non-us that was there okay Klaus because I worked for him a little bit he lived on the boat I mean it, it was a piece of junk it wasn't going anywhere the person he's referring to did in fact exist. His name was Klaus von Wendel. At the time of the murders, he was living on his boat in Rainbow Village. His name is mentioned several times in the court documents, but I'm not exactly sure what Weston is getting at here. How we heard your name specifically was a guy named Robert or Bert. Bo was staying with him for a little while he says that one random night, you came over and you were asking Bo, how do you sleep at night? Why were you washing your hands in the grass? No. No? No. I, first of all, I don't bother myself in other people's business. My whole, do, my whole doctrine in life is mind my own fucking business. You know, and I don't, if I'm not there, I don't talk about it. So. That's why I'm just giving you my input. I can't create facts that I don't know anything about. So he doesn't remember this. Robert clearly does. Maybe Robert got Weston confused with somebody else. Or maybe it was Weston, and this conversation had nothing to do with Greg and Mary's murders at all. and was just completely insignificant, and that's why Weston has no memory of it. I don't know. There's like 10, 11 people who seem to think that Bo did it. Comparatively, the evidence arguably lines up more against Bo. How did they convict International if he didn't do it? I think probably because he was black. Wrong place, wrong time. He's also a, Vietnam vet. He he's a, a felon. History, yeah, history of violence. But I thought he confessed. That, that's what the lady said twice. Mm -hmm. times. I talked to her. No. Weston seemed hung up on this idea that Ralph International Thomas had confessed at some point. Nowhere in the court documents can you find this at all. It simply never happened. Ralph always claimed he was innocent. According to Weston, several years after the murders, he was tracked down by some woman who was supposedly working for Ralph's defense team, and she told him that he was recanting his confession. I've searched high and low for anything on this at all, and from what I've found, Ralph never confessed, and I have no idea who that woman was. I don't even know who Bo is. I, he was from Santa Cruz. He wasn't from Berkeley, so he, and he certainly wasn't a Chicoite. You know, okay. he never hung out in Northern California at all where Brandy and all the rest of the, the Turtle family was. So he was a, more of a Southern, and Santa Cruz was about as far North as he ever got. And the only reason he was in town was because the dead had been there three weeks earlier at the Greeks in Berkeley, or maybe it was the Oakland shows, one or the other, because they were right on that side of the bay. The Greek theater shows he's referring to were on June 14th and June 15th, 1985, two months before the murders. The Oakland show was on August 18th, just three days after the murders. That's probably the one he's thinking of. And that's the only reason he was there, and he couldn't get out of town because he didn't have money or something like that? Bo? Yeah, I don't even know his last name. Where did you sleep that night? I slept in Richard's bus. And where did Bo sleep, do you know? I have no clue. No clue. Do you I, remember seeing Bo at all that night? He didn't have a regular vehicle vehicle, but Bo talked to me the next day. 
he's the one that told me that Greg and Mary had gotten killed. And he, the way he said it was like, there's no way. He like, I didn't believe it. And, but he was like, he was serious. And he said he was leaving town too. That's what gave me the idea to leave. Because he said, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving town. Why was he leaving town? The system, wrong place, wrong time. Uh, just like International got railroaded, we would have been railroaded. I mean, you know, we didn't have roots. We didn't weren't part of the society. We were just deadhead rainbow kids out there on the edge. You know, a lot of people left right away. I mean, that village emptied out. Did you ever uh, see their bodies? I only heard about it. So when I went out there, I grabbed my backpack out of Richard's bus, locked it up the way, the special way, you know, and uh, and left. I mean, the only thing I saw was yellow tape. I thought there'd be investigators, you know. So I, I ended up taking the bus down to the Shell station and you had to walk from there because there was no other way out there. And I remember walking past the boat guy and the boat guy was like, he was like pantomiming, like there's weird trouble up ahead kind of thing. Weird. So, you know, I was like, I was ready. Okay, whatever. You know, he got questions for me. Fine. You know, I was in the bus. It, it's long over now is the thing. I mean, it's not it's really. not. Not really, because it's, uh, Greg and Mary were my friends and they got killed right I, within feet of me, I guess. When you go back later and re-listen to an interview like this, you pick up on subtle things that you didn't really notice the first time. The tone in their voice, how they said things, and even what they were maybe about to say. Now, I don't want to overanalyze things because it's usually not productive, but this one little detail I felt compelled to point out. I'll play it back and let you decide for yourself. Greg and Mary were my friends, and they got killed right within feet of me, I guess. Greg and Mary were my friends, and they got killed right I, within feet of me, I guess. It's not over. It's never over, especially if you don't think they had the right guy. You don't think so. Wow, that's weird. I mean, what else do you know about Bo? Nothing, really. I mean, he was kind of, he was a little shady. He was a little shady. He was a, he was like me, he was a dealer. Uh, but he was more pot and mushrooms than I was. What I were was you more, dealing? I was more mushrooms LSD with some ecstasy. Um, I mean, that's that was his deal because he was more of an organic kind of guy. I mean, do you think it's possible that Bo could have had the propensity that night, maybe on drugs or something, to do that? He was such a nice guy. I mean, he was like me. He was just a dealer, just waiting for shows to, you know. Greg and Mary were here, his people, our people. I mean, that's why it made sense that internationally, I mean, you know, he kind of used kind of a thuggy guy, you know? He was, you know, he's from the system. He'd been through the system. First he was military, then he went through the system. He'd gotten some conviction. And he's proud of his conviction, you know? Like, I forgot what it was, but something. They'll never take me again, kind of thing, you know? Did you ever see Bo that night? No, I heard, I didn't even hear him at the fire really. There was a lot of people there, you know, and I was, I'm kind of an antisocial kind of guy. I mean, I, 
you know, I, there were a lot of times I wouldn't go to a Grateful Dead show and I was parked right there. I just, I'd rather hang out in my vehicle and, you know, I was there for the party. I wasn't there for the music as much. I mean, I got shut out of 400 plus shows and I got into over 700 shows. Do you want the truth to come out? Sure, sure. Yeah, because it's, it's right there. I mean, you know, Greg and Mary were my friends. I mean, they, they got offed, man, for being hippie kids. And I thought for sure it was international. But if it's not, then I want to know who did it. I was in the bus all night. I didn't even ever come out. Right. You know, and nobody ever saw me outside the bus because I wasn't outside the bus. And if they said that, I'll take a lie detector test anytime. You did know? you ever go to Robert apartment and confront Bo about washing his hands in the grass? Nah. Really? Washing his hands in the grass? Yeah. That sounds weird. It does. Somebody came to this guy's apartment late at night and basically confronted Bo and it spooked everybody in the apartment because they're like, what the hell is he talking about? And he's saying, how do you sleep at night? What were you doing washing your hands in the grass? I don't, I didn't know. The implication being that he's washing blood off his hands. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I didn't even know anybody who had an apartment. I mean, I was We talked briefly about the murder weapon, how they never found it, and that Ralph had a gun that allegedly went missing that night. It's theorized that Bo would have known where that gun was, and maybe he took it and killed Mary and Greg with it. I, I don't know. I don't see the motive at all. No motive, zero. Do you see the motive for international? Just the argument. That's what uh, I had put it in my head, the, the argument over Vietnam and violence versus nonviolent attitudes. And... Do you remember like the context of the argument? Yeah, it, well, I, as I explained, it had to do with Vietnam. First it was fireworks, then it went to um, gunshots, and then it went to Vietnam, and then it went to no it isn't, yes it is, no it isn't, yes it is, back and forth, back and forth and got a little heated and then it didn't get heated. So I figured, probably, I don't know. I don't know what I figured. I thought maybe one of them left, you know. But Greg and Mary didn't leave. They were hanging out in the fire. They would have stayed because they didn't have a vehicle to hang out in. So they were using the fire as a warm place to be. And they were nighttime people anyway. I was a daytime person. I'm usually up at seven in the morning, six in the morning every day. So I didn't do night times, they did night times. Did you wake up at 6 a.m. that next day? Yeah, I was up early. I was up early and I just took off and went into town to do my thing. And then that's when I ran into Bo. Yeah, blonde haired guy, right? Yeah, where'd you run into Bo at? Where was it? It was somewhere up on the Berkeley. It was just shy. It was just shy of the university. It was at a corner, I remember him coming around the corner. I go, oh, dude, dude, did you hear, did you hear? And I remember laughing, like, because it, 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 I always felt guilty about it after I heard about it, you know, that I would laugh about it. I just put it across. I talked to, I ended up, because I've done 15 years of Narcotics Anonymous. I talked to my sponsor about it. It was on my, you know, my character defect list. And he's like, that's how people process stuff, you know, and you just, you had to, uh, do something, you know, and so you laughed about it. Don't feel guilty about it, you know. Did you say, did you mention it first or did you learn no, from... No, I didn't even know about it. He's the one that told me. Okay, so he greeted you first about yeah, it. Like, hey, dude, dude, did you hear? Did you hear? You hear what? Greg and Mary are both dead. 
And then you laughed? Or? Yeah, I did. I laughed. I know. I felt guilty about that. Like, you know, like a laugh like, no way. Like, you know, there's absolutely no way. What are you talking about, dude? You know? But I felt guilty about it afterwards just because you don't laugh about somebody dying. I don't want to pass too much judgment here, having never been in his position if he is in fact telling me the truth. But the whole guilt thing just seems bizarre to me. I would understand feeling guilty about wishing you prevented it somehow, or if you were involved somehow, or had some kind of intimate knowledge about the murders that you never did anything about. But feeling guilty all these years because you laughed about it one time? What? You're the closest person to Bo that we know of. There's no stories about you doing this, but there's stories about you potentially knowing that Bo did it, which isn't a crime, but... Yeah, there's no way. I didn't, I wouldn't confront anybody about it. I left right away. When was that, when was I supposed to have confront, oh, I confronted him in Chico? Yes. At somebody's apartment in Chico? Mm-hmm. I, I don't see that. There's no way. At all. Well, after yeah. that day that he he met you on the corner, yeah. what happened after that? I went I went straight out to straight out to the, the bus village, grabbed my stuff and and left. I ended up seeing him four or five months later, I guess, somewhere. What was it? Tell you ride? No, not tell you ride. No, it was at the Carlos show. It was at the. Uh, Boreal Ridge. It was at Boreal Ridge in California. We were right at the border of California and Nevada, up on 80. Boreal Ridge. According to Weston, the last time he saw Bo was at the Boreal Ridge show. This was on August 24th, 1985, roughly a week after the murders. Do you know how Bo learned of their murders? No clue. Did you ask him at that, that no. day? No. Huh. A few minutes later, I asked him again, when the last time you saw Bo was. Do you remember the last time you saw Bo? Just try to remember. That next, that next morning, that next morning about midday when he told me that Greg and Mary had gotten killed. So not at the Boreal Ridge shows a week later? That left a big impression on me, man, because I laughed about it. It fucked me up for a long time. Why did it fuck did you do, up? Why did you therapy on it, you know? Just that particular moment? Yeah, well, somebody died that I knew, and you know? Because they didn't have anything, and I was like them. I didn't have anything either, so it could have just as easily have been me. You know, if I was out there at the campfire, why wouldn't I be dead too? After having talked about it with other people, did you figure out why you felt guilty about it? I think it was just because I laughed about it, you know, like in an offhand way after the after it was over, so that there, you know, so I felt like there was some kind of, you know release mechanism, you know, emotional release mechanism that I needed to do to kind of justify or, I don't know, or something, I don't know. All from just laughing? Yeah, it fucked me up. I was fucked up for a while. Really? Yeah. Well, friends of mine died. What would be your response to these stories that allege that you possibly knew about this, that Bo did this? Why would I know anything about it? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was asleep in the bus. I went to sleep. And the next day it was gone. I was gone by early afternoon. 
I, I was lucky too. I got a ride right away, all the way up to all the way up to Chico. So it was dark when I got there, but. So you never knew anything about this? Never. I only heard about it happenstance, after the fact. I was still very curious how Bo seemed to know about Mary and Greg's murders so soon. The next morning, he told Weston they had both been killed and that he was skipping town. How'd he learn that? Did he say where he could have learned that from? Well, when I went out there, there was some yellow tape. There was yellow tape up around the campfire site. Yeah, midday, I guess. I don't know. He got, No, it was more like, like 12 or 1. I'm just guessing because it was bright and sunny out and I wasn't starting to feel down. And I always get about down about 3 p.m. So it was before that, well before that, because I still had the energy to go out and get Hitchhike out of there. And he said he was leaving. He gave me the idea to leave. You know, when he said he was, he was going to hitchhike out of there, I was like, sounds like a good idea. It's the only two people I know that have ever died anywhere remotely close to me, ever. And they were my friends. I mean, I could have easily been in that circle. Just as easily as... I mean, I wasn't a spare changer, so I wasn't in their little circle. But it was one of those kind of arguments where I felt almost ready to go outside to be like, they're speaking the truth internationally. You're a fucking asshole, you know? But I'm a little bit more forthright about it. So that's what makes me feel I, I could have gotten off just as easy, you know? So I think that's part of that guilt thing of like, I could have, man, just a, a decision, quick, you know, like, I'm not gonna go out there, all right. Somebody else is already confronting him on his behavior or his attitude. So you feel kind of like maybe just, even if it's irrational, that you could have prevented it somehow or something or wish that you could have? If I, if I had gone out there, it would have changed the whole harmony, harmonic, harmonic flow. The auras would have interfaced differently and they probably wouldn't have gotten killed, or if they did, I would have been with them. Yes. But it's so much harder to kill three people than two people. I mean, and that's why it was amazing already that two people were dead out of the scene. Because it was, there was, there was 40 people out there. I mean, there was, I don't know how many people, there, you know, there was all the people that lived there all the time, which is at least 20 people. And then there was probably 10 of us hanger honors, 12 maybe. And then there was Klaus. I don't know how I got him into it either, but he was, he had more to do with it than I thought he did. Maybe that's why he did that hand signaling thing. I don't know. But it makes me think that he was more involved than I thought he was. What? Which part? For whatever reason, he was bringing up Klaus von Wendel again, the boat guy. He said he was the only outsider, per se, that was at the fire that night. And I guess he got some weird vibe from him. I don't really know. I would say that he has more to the story than I thought he did. I mean, already that boat had something, it was already a weird energy every time, because you felt like you were running the gauntlet to get by it. The boat? Yeah. At first it was a huge fucking boat. I mean, big. I'd say 100 feet long. It was a big boat, but it was not functional. It was kind of on the side. It was like, it was a fucked up boat. It wasn't going anywhere. It was kind of on its side. It was in the water, but it was kind of, it was always at an angle, like an angle, like you could tell that the boat's not driving anywhere. You know, I think it was, I think it was in the mud. Yeah. Doesn't it sound like it would be a two-man job to dispose of two bodies in the bay and kill two people? I, I don't even know where the bodies were found. In the bay. In the, in the water? Mm-hmm. Really? 
Yes. That's fucked up, man. Their bodies were found in the bay. How would Weston not know this? If Bo told him the next morning they were murdered, he would have had to have known that too. I find it very perplexing this is the first time he's heard this. I don't know. Yeah. I wish you the best of luck to find out whatever you can find out about it. Yeah. I mean, I got nothing to hide. I mean, I was just like them. I was like them. I was a young kid. I mean, it was 25, 30 years ago, but... I'm 60 now. I was in my 30s then. I was, yeah. I was older than they were by 10 years. We, we heard some stories that were, you know, implied that you were involved. That's, that's what we were told. Yeah. No way. No. That'd be fucked up. No. They were friends of mine. I didn't know them that well, but I wouldn't wish anybody harm. Why would I kill a human being? or do have anything associated with helping people out. You know? Yeah. Hell, I felt guilty enough about laughing about it. I mean, that fucked me up. I mean, not probably right away, but after reflection, you know, especially with that lady trying to lay it on me. Did you figure out why you felt guilty about laughing? Yeah, well, according to the people that I talked to, like therapists and in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, you know, like with my sponsor and my support group, it's, it was more of a defense mechanism to try to alleviate kind of the pressure of the moment, you know. Interesting. Because hiding stuff is what keeps us sick. The secrets keep us sick. That's why this needs to come to light, you know. Because if Bo did it, then he's been laying with guilt for a long time, and he might just spill the whole fucking beans right off the bat. You never know, just because it's like a pressure cooker, just looking for the pinhole, you know. So whoever did this needs to get burned. Yeah. I thought they already had been burned. But somebody got burned. And if it wasn't the right person getting burnt, let's find out why. Because there's gotta be closure. Maybe Bo will just pop pop like a fucking cork. That conversation with Weston was a lot to take in. Many statements he made seemed contradictory, but at the same time, this did happen three decades ago. Regardless, the way he talked about his relationship with Bo seemed off to me. How he didn't know him at all, then he knew him, then he didn't know him that well. Which one was it? The last time he saw him was the morning after the murders, but he also saw him a week later at the Boreal Ridge shows. Maybe he does feel that Bo was involved in this, and he just wants to distance himself. Weston seemed to flip-flop here and there on certain aspects of this case, but there were some things he seemed pretty firm about, where he never wavered. One being this. Bo came up to me, I think he was a blonde-haired guy, kind of tall. Mm-hmm. He came up to me in Berkeley, and he said, did you hear that Greg and Mary got killed? Bo talked to me the next day. He's the one that told me that Greg and Mary got killed, and he, the way he said it was like, there's no way. In that moment, he learned that Mary and Greg had both been killed the night before. But you see, there's one really big problem with that statement. 
According to the court documents, what I'm about to read you is an undisputed fact. It is recognized by the court that after sunrise on the morning of the murders, a jogger noticed a body floating in the bay and called the police. Later that day, the police recovered Mary's body. But it wasn't until the next day that police divers found Greg's body submerged in the water. When Weston saw Bo, there was no way Bo could have known that both Mary and Greg had been murdered. Completely impossible. That is, unless he was there, or was the one who killed them. Thanks for checking out Dead and Gone. Dead and Gone is written, hosted, and produced by Payne Lindsay and myself, Jake Brennan. Check out my other music and true crime podcast, Disgraceland, about musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly, as well as Payne's other shows, Radio Rental, Atlanta Monster, and Up and Vanished. Dead and Gone is a production of Tenderfoot TV and Double Elvis and brought to you by Cadence 13 and executive produced by Donald Albright, Payne Lindsay, Brady Sadler, and myself. This show is produced by Mike Rooney, mixed by Cooper Skinner, music by Makeup and Vanity Set, with additional music services by Ryan Spraker, edited by Sean Cahalan, production coordination by Matt Bowden, copy edited by Pat Healy, writing assistance by Taylor Bettinson, cover design by Matt Mills for mattmillsart.com. Special thanks to Oren Rosenbaum and Grace Royer from UTA, Ryan Nord, Jesse Nord, and Matthew Papa from The Nord Group, Chris Corcoran and the Cadence 13 team, Beck Media and Marketing, Station 16, and the teams at Tenderfoot TV and Double Elvis. Thanks for checking out Dead and Gone. Episodes drop every Thursday. Please make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a shout out on social media with the hashtag Dead and Gone, and you might win a free Dead and Gone show poster designed by Nate Gonzalez. Thanks for your support. Thank you.